Yo, what's up, everybody? It is your homegirl, Natasha Daniels. What's up? What's up? Good morning. Happy Friday to you. Welcome to another episode of Go With God podcast. I have so much fun with you guys. I can't wait until uh, season three. I've got so many good things lined up. We're going to be talking about some. I mean, we talk about good stuff now. But having some other perspectives, having other people in, um, you know, taking our opportunity to really talk about life, love, living, spirituality, men, women, friendships, relationships. Listen, I've got the whole gambit ready for you guys on season three. So just a couple more podcasts will be on season two. Then we'll take kind of a quick reprieve and then I'll bring it back with season three. And the the goal, guys, is that for season three, I'm doing more live stuff. So, you know, right now it's all audio, but the goal and hope <laughs> is that you guys will actually be able to see me work on a live audience like the whole shebang. So big shout out to um, Holy Spirit um, and to my team kind of helping me get to 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 the place that I really desire to be, um, which is having candid Christian candid Christian conversations for the believer and non-believer alike, um, but really based on 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 God, who he is, what he is and what he says about it. And um, so I'm excited. So listen, today's podcast um, is extremely unorthodox for me. Um, I actually have something completely different in mind for today's podcast, but um, I really feel pressed upon in my spirit to kind of address some things that are going on in the uh, church world, uh, in the Christian kingdom culture, uh, or in the in the Christian culture. Um, bottom line is, you know, in today's podcast, as you guys saw from the title, it is called "We're Under Attack," because that's the bottom line. Um, the 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 Christian um, Culture, Christian culture, our culture is under attack. Uh, and the truth of the matter is, it's not really the world doing it to us. We're doing it to ourselves. Um, and so I kind of want to talk about that. And let me just go ahead and preface it this way. I very, very much stick to the notion um, of utilizing my life, utilizing my experiences. That way I don't uh, offend people. Uh, as it relates to things that I believe that God would like to um, tell us in totality. In other words, I use myself as the example so that way other people aren't offended. Um, but I think that there's a little bit of truth in everything. So I'm going to use, uh, you know, of course, I'm still going to talk about um, some things that have happened in ministry or in my life to kind of, you know, make the driver but uh, or to bring the point home. But bottom line is this. We need to have a candid conversation about what's going on um, in the in the Christian world, um, in 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 the Christian culture, um, black community and white community, Spanish, Latino, Asian, doesn't matter. Um, you know, we need to have a conversation uh, because I really don't think that we're aware <laughs> of what's going on. Um, so let's jump into it. Father God, I thank you. I honor you. I give your name glory forever. Uh, even on my good days and even on my bad days, you really still are number one in my life, number one in my books. And for that, Father, I say thank you. I bless you because you are absolutely amazing. I don't know anything, anyone, any being that is like you. Thank you so much that you choose us at all times. We give your name glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've 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 been listening and and those of you guys who are on social media platforms more so than anything you guys have seen a lot of the stuff that's been coming out 
uh, homosexuality, the issues that constantly are going back and forth between uh, pastors and, and, and them uh, misappropriating funds or um, pastors uh, who are getting caught in the limelight being in people's DMs and all that nonsense. You have people who we're promoting um, to continue to spread church gossip. Um, and then, of course, recently we had an incident that happened this week in the church culture um, that was uh, an attack, um, a, a um, misguided um, rebuke to, uh, musicians and, and to a musician. Um, and, and, you know, my heart and prayer, uh, goes out to that. Um, I told, you know, as a pastor and, and as powerhouse being a prophetic house, um, definitely, you know, I understand, uh, both sides of the coin. We're blessed to have amazing musicians here at powerhouse kingdom ministry, amazing music department. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, we're under attack. Um, there are things that we are not um, properly equipping ourselves with. Um, and therefore, we're making some erroneous errors or we're making errors that we really shouldn't always be making in the body of Christ. And so I'm not going to pick apart um, the video that was that was done. And I'm, I'm not going to pick apart um, you know, the pastors, um, or, or the, the laymen or the, I'm, I'm not going to do that on today's podcast. Um, so if that's what you were looking for, I'm not doing that. Um, uh, because then it's going to go against what I, what I believe God is trying to teach us and show us. Amen. Uh, uh, in, in the Bible or biblically based. So there are quite a few scriptures for today. I'm going to do a lot more teaching biblically today, talking biblically today, but I'm going to use some, some, um, actual examples, you know, of things even that we've had in ministry. All right. So, um, for you guys today, we're going to talk about Mark. Um, it, it's the same story, but I, I need to read it to you. Um, Mark three, 23 through 27. It's the same story, Matthew 12, 25 through 29 and Luke 11. 17 through 22. Um, and in this passage of scripture, we're also going to be, uh, hitting through, uh, Ephesians chapter six, verse 11. All right. So in this story or in this passage of scripture, um, is going to kind of be the topic for today. And today's topic is simply we're under attack. The body of Christ is under attack and blindly we are succumbing to it. Um, in this text and in this scripture, you know, long story short, you know, Jesus comes into the territory. And once again, this is from Mark, Matthew and Luke. And, um, you know, the Pharisees are pretty much saying that because Jesus is doing deliverance, <laughs> he must be under the, uh, auspice of Beelzebub. And for those of you guys, you know, that's, that's the, one of the names for Satan. And so, um, Matthew's version, I, I kind of like this one a little bit better, although but all of them are saying the same thing. Um, the Bible says in the parable that like Jesus knew what they were thinking, right? Because he was doing, you know, deliverance um, and he was casting out demons. He was healing people. And let's be clear. He was healing people and delivering people. OK. Um, and so the Bible says that he knew their thoughts and he said to them, every kingdom against itself is laid waste. Right. And no city or house divided against itself will stand in other words if satan is going to cast out satan he's dividing himself how then is his kingdom going to stand so he's making a matter of fact statement to them right <laughs> he's saying to them hey simpletons 
you know, how much sense does that make that I am, that based on your philosophy, I'm being ruled by Beelzebub and I'm going against the work of Beelzebub? <laughs> you know, how much sense does that make to you? Um, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, then by whom, you know, do the sons cast them out? Therefore, uh, they'll be your judges. But if it is by the spirit of God that I cast out, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. In other words, he's letting them know, listen, it's simple. It, it, it's simple logic. I can't be working for Beelzebub because he or I, if we're in cahoots together, are never going to be able to stand if I'm, I'm, I'm undoing what he's trying to do. But what you do need to understand is that because I am able to cast out and deliver demons, then I must be sent from a different kingdom. I'm not sent from this kingdom. I'm sent from a different kingdom. So then he makes another matter of fact statement and he says, listen, if at the end of the day, if, if, if there's a strong man in the city or a strong man in the, in, in, in the house, the tactical advantage would be for me to bind up the strong man so that I can take the riches or I can plunder the city of the strong man, right? So this isn't a deep text, okay? And the reason why I wanted to start here, you're, you're going to see in a minute, but this isn't a deep text. What Jesus is saying is open your eyes and open your spirit. You honestly think that I came to undo the work of Satan by being employed by Satan? That doesn't even make sense. What I am doing, though, is coming because another kingdom or my father has sent me to bind up the strong man. And the strong man in this particular text is talking about it's a parable. So it's talking about Satan's kingdom. I came to bind up the strong man in the kingdom or in the earth realm. And the strong man in the earth realm is Satan. I came to do that so that I could take the souls back. Hello, somebody. I came to do that so that I can plunder the city. So, Tosh, what's your point with, with everything that you've been talking about? It's very, very simple. What are we doing as believers to the point that we are dividing the kingdom of God? Now, some of you, I already know where this is going to go. Some of you are saying, nah, Tosh, I was with you until you said that because we have a responsibility to call out sin. And I'm not debating with you calling out sin, but you can't call out sin when you're still sinning. Okay, when Jesus was talking about the woman who the Pharisees brought to Jesus, Jesus is in the sand and he's drawing things and he's writing in the sand. I won't say drawing, sorry. He's writing things in the sand. And the first thing that they do is they bring out this harlot or they bring out this woman and they're saying, hey, we ought to stone her. Meanwhile, they never address the fact, how did you know what she was or why are you in the same vicinity as the other sinner? In other words, you bringing somebody to me to be judged, but yet you're in the same brothel that you want me to stone her for. So Jesus says, okay, no problem, since that's your logic. If you are without sin, you cast the first stone. 
and the conviction of God's words, nobody could throw the first stone. So when you start to think about the principle of the, the Christian culture in this day and age, the problem is becoming that I'm willing to throw stones at people and at things that I am still entrapped in. So I may not be doing the same thing or the same sin, but no sin is meant to be hierarchied. So I'll give you an example. The Bible talks about a homosexuality, okay? And when the Bible, and I'm talking about this explicitly for a reason, all right? So when the Bible talks about homosexuality, it says that it's an abomination to the Lord, okay? But I need you to look up the word abomination. Abomination does not mean that it is the pinnacle of sins, what it does mean is that being as though the creator created us to be heterosexual, male and female, even the body parts and the organs, not just, you know, what the Bible says, but even if you wanted to use a science approach to it, okay? When you put the two together, abomination simply means that it is not being utilized the way that the creator intended for it to be utilized. Not that homosexuality is worse than the gambler. Right. So the abomination of homosexuality is if I put a man and a man together and a woman and a woman together, they cannot do what the creator asked them to do. Hello. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I think for a lot of us, we threw so many stones or we're throwing so many stones at people without taking an opportunity to really realize that you are being used by the enemy to tear apart the kingdom of God. So what does that have to do with the text? In this particular text, Jesus is showing us that two people in the same agenda cannot try to undo what the one is doing. In other words, Christians, believers, we can't preach love in every five seconds throwing a stone. That does not mean that you don't have standards. But what it does mean is your standard is not with your judgment. The standard that you carry is with the righteousness of God. You ask God how to handle or manage this situation. You don't just go and, and expose everybody and everything under the sun. Let me give you an example. I'm grateful that during uh, Jasper and I's time of being together, and even before that, I engaged in premarital sex. I'm thankful that the Lord did not expose me for every single time I fell into the entrapment of premarital sex. And the truth of the matter is that God's grace allowed me to not always be exposed when I was doing stuff like that. Because if it did, the poor church would have never asked me to come and do anything. Because the more you know, the more imperfect you see people being. Now, at Powerhouse, those who have been and those who have come to Powerhouse, we have caught a lot of flack. And let me just go ahead and throw it out there for those of you who are listening. Powerhouse is a level one trauma unit. And what I mean by that is we get everything under the sun. All types of people, whether they join or whether they're passing through. We get individuals that are on drugs. We get individuals that need to go to rehab. We have ex-crackheads in our ministry. We have ex-whoremongers in our ministry, ex-strippers. 
in our ministry. We have individuals with abortions, molestation, rape. We have individuals who are abused, battered, or have been abused, battered. We have individuals that have mommy issues, have daddy issues, have children issues, have have uh, divorcees. They've gotten remarried uh, to the same person, but they've been divorced. We've got a little bit of everything in the church. And some of them are still struggling. We got gossipers. We have people who I know for a fact just said something a couple weeks ago. Um, I've got people who are insecure in my church. I got people who are always trying to prove that they're better than somebody. I've got a little bit of everything in my church. Now, doesn't mean that I don't have a standard, though. I've got some who are still struggling with weed. You know, I have some that are still struggling with alcoholism, that are struggling still sometimes with sex, that are struggling with this. I have that here. Let me just go ahead and put it out there to you. I still struggle with certain things. I tell people all the time, if it wasn't for the goodness of God, I really would be a pothead because that's how I learned to deal with my stress. I would probably be an alcoholic because that's what I'm used to seeing in my family that you drink, whether it's it's not really social drinking either. <laughs> I had a family member one time, honestly, you know, we um when we used to have family barbecues and, and, and all that type of stuff, child, he was so passed out drunk. They left him outside in the rain. I'm not even kidding you. When he woke up from being drunk, he was drenched in rain. What's my point? We're imperfect. The church is imperfect, being perfected by the work of Christ on the cross for those of us that believe. So God calls us. We answer. And when we answer, we're then drawn to the Father and He allows us to be perfected to do His work and His will. That's the way that that this life or or this goes. The Bible says that no man comes to the Father unless he calls for you, unless he sends for you. So here's what it is. Those of us that are in the body of Christ, what are we doing with the call? Because I can't sit around casting stones when the last time I checked, you just fell into sin two days ago, five hours ago, 15 minutes ago, you just watched porn. Right? Just two weeks ago, you cussed somebody out. And then you turned around and you did prayer. I'm not saying that you don't have standards. What I am saying, though, is you've got to start understanding that the more you keep exposing people without, hear me clearly, the strategy of God. Exposing people, showing, you know, uh, uh, allowing people to feel like they're failing in Christendom, you are creating a narrative that is that is in direct opposition to God. So why am I talking about this? It's real simple because you've got to learn to go to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six tells us something that I think we're forgetting because I'm so busy caught up on the individual, the imperfect individual. The Bible says that you are born and shaped in iniquity. In other words, when you get here, you learn how to be selfish. You learn how to hit kids. If y'all got kids, y'all already know. You can't get them to say the Lord's prayer, but turn your head for 15 seconds. And they're saying cuss words that you don't even say in the house. 
your flesh is naturally gravitating towards negative things because this world is shaped with sin. The perfected world that God created, hear me clearly, has now been corrupted by sin. So God did not recreate the world again. Hear me. He did not recreate the world again. Yes, he sent a flood to wash away and start over, but he did not recreate the world again and start um, the Garden of Eden again. What he did do, though, was send his son. So let me help a lot of you. You're going to see corruption in the world. You are going to see pastors and preachers and musicians and evangelists and lay members mess up. The Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times. A righteous man. The Bible considers a righteous man almost upright and perfect in all of his ways. Even he is falling and he gives an exact number seven times. But the Bible says that he's faithful or that he still gets back up every time he falls. If I'm falling seven times, that means that six of those times I got up. And there's going to come a day where I'm not going to fall again. I'm not going to keep falling. So let me let me help you understand why I'm why I feel like the Lord is pressing this upon us. Because we are so hell bent on the sin of the individual that you're forgetting about this world and the fact that this world is nothing more than a manifestation of spirituality. Believers and non-believers alike understand that science is only explaining what's already present. There is something else beyond your natural and your nature, your logic, your heart, your everything that lets you know that there is something else present or there was something else that created this. For the believer, we, we know that it's God. God created everything perfect in his eyes. Even the corrupted things are still perfect in his eyes because all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called. That's why I said when God calls you, you answer. It is at the calling of God that God is already putting in motion things. Oh, my gosh. I, I feel glory this morning. So when you read Ephesians chapter six and it talks about the armor of God, for some odd reason, we have forgotten about the armor of God. Now, I'm not going to get too much into the armor of God because that's your job. (laughs) I want you to be able to do and read something. okay? but what I do want to point out is verse 11, because for whatever the reason, we skip past verse 11 and go right to verse 12. The Bible says, put on the full arm of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the enemy. Then it tells you what the struggle is. Then after that, it tells you what the armor is. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. It's very simple. You don't need to talk about everything. There are some things that you just need to stand in God's power So that Holy Spirit can use you as the influence and the conduit to be able to make things change and make things happen. So now when you read the scripture with that in mind, put on the full armor of God so you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. You'll now understand that. Well, what are his schemes? I'm glad you asked the question. The schemes are the struggle is not against flesh and blood. Hello, somebody. Don't you be like them Pharisees and Sadducees. That was their problem. 
They knew that Jesus was coming but couldn't accept him there. Is that your testimony today? You have enough faith to play an instrument. You have enough God to come to church on a regular basis, but you don't have enough God in you to have grace and display grace on people and even for yourself. Because I even hear and feel that in the spirit today, too. Sometimes you're putting so much condemnation on yourself, calling it conviction, but there's no God in your condemnation. You're trying to work for salvation. You don't need to work for salvation. The Bible says receive it. Yes, the Bible does say work out your own own souls salvation but it's not on under the premise that you have to work for salvation salvation is freely given to those that believe in God and in the son of God what you are now working is the perfecting of becoming what you believe all right uh, that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day right but here's the thing it says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood so why are we exposing everything on social media why are we allowing individuals to make money on church gossip? Why are we pushing an agenda that has absolutely nothing to do with the individual, even though the individual is the manifestation of spiritual implications? In other words, in layman terms, why am I so much more worried about clout? And about being the one with the most likes and the most shares and the most everything under the sun that I'm losing souls in the process. I can't tell you how many people, when I talk to them, literally, even family, they literally say to me all the time, I like you, Tasha. I like how genuine and authentic you are about your walk, about your life, about your relationship with God. I see the things that you go through, go through, and I see the way that you handle them. You're not exempt from going through things. But for the rest of the Christians <laughs> that I see, I can't be a part of that because all they do is tear each other down. Don't you not see that the enemy is using you to tear down the kingdom of God? Oh, you didn't see it that way because you were stating an opinion or you don't see it that way because you're stating facts. Yes, I understand that they're gay. Yes, I understand that 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 they stole money. Yes, I understand that because we've had that we've had that happen as well. We've had all of that in our church. Yes, I understand that they're still struggling with sex. Yes, I understand that that I'm still struggling with this and this and that. Lying and gluttony, because let's not talk about gluttony in the body of Christ. That, that, that is a direct byproduct of lack of discipline and lack of self-control, which is a, which is a part of the main, uh, a part of the fruit of the spirit. My point being, if I spent all day doing what 90% of us as Christians are doing, don't you think that we failing? Doesn't that bother you that we're failing? See, the sin doesn't bother me. As a pastor, the sin doesn't bother me because I understand that it's not up to me to fix people's issue. I do believe that God works that out through his Holy Spirit and gives me strategy as a pastor on how to manage that with them, to give them environments, to make them feel like they can overcome it. But it's not up to me to save them from that. I have an individual in our ministry now. They talk to me about everything. And some of the stuff, I'll be like, I don't want to hear that. 
And for seasons, God gives me strategy on how to deal with it. Because there are some things that are just going to fall off. And there are other things that are strongholds or that are generational curses that I have to be able to uproot. But I can't see that if I'm only looking at the sin itself. Oh, well, you smoked a cigarette yesterday, so I, I, you're not going to be able to be on the prayer team. That's how we grew up. And I'm not saying that there isn't a right place for it, but let's talk about it. What was your environment like? What got you to this point? How can I help you manage your stress? How can I help you manage yourself? What other tools can we put in place for that? Because now it's become an addiction. We, we're not going to talk about all that, right? Right? Because I only got a couple minutes. But in other words, what I'm trying to say to you is before you start exposing somebody and leaving a comment or having an opinion, did you go into your prayer closet? Are you asking the Lord what's going on? And to be honest with you, most of us aren't. We're just getting in on the hype and on the clout. How many views and how many likes we can get? How many following, how many followers we can get? All while sending the church to hell. And people leaving the church because we would rather do that than to actually bring God into our situation. So let me finish with, 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 with the text so that way I can help y'all understand what's really going on. All right. So the Bible says we, for we struggle, um, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. Do you understand what Paul is saying here? The rulers. Let me help you. Let, let, let me help somebody here. Let, let me, let me, let me help somebody here. Some versions say um, principalities. Can I help you? When you understand demonology or angelic beings, you will understand that, um, yeah, the principality that's in a region or the principality that's over a, 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 a uh, individual or a, over an office, a system that's been set up, was here first. What does that mean? That means that before you got here, before you were thought of, it was already working. Oh, Jesus. When you really pay attention to your Bible and you really read about this, a principality or a power is the ruling magistrate of an angelic being. Meaning that their system is already in motion because the world is already corrupted. So all they need to do is pick individuals. Ooh, hear me clearly. Pick individuals in order to move their agenda. So a principality is not moving or leaving because you um, um, decided to expose um, Sister Betty and Mother Cantaloupe about the fact that they were outside in the parking lot smoking. Actually had, <laughs> actually did happen, though, I ain't gonna lie to you, at one of the churches that I used to go to. They would sing and then they would go go smoke a cigarette. You actually just gave ammo to the principality. You actually are playing into the device of the principality that now you're so focused on Sister Cantaloupe smoking in the parking lot that now you don't want to go to church because church is full of hypocrites. It just won. Okay, it's the leader that commences it is the magistrate or it is the Lord of the world that is moving agendas. That's why you say politicians are corrupt. It's not the individual that is corrupt. It is the system that is corrupt. And it is allowing the individual to now be corrupt because there are only two sides in this thing. There is only light 
and darkness, good and evil. There is no gray. So if you do not find the light of Christ in your life to make morally sound decisions based on spirituality or Christ in our vein, it would be based on crisis standards. You will subject yourself to corruption intentionally or unintentionally. I do not believe that everybody intends to be corrupt, but the absence of light means darkness. And because dark is present, I do not have light to better guide or gauge what is appropriate. And when I don't have the right moral compass, spiritual compass to gauge what is appropriate, I am susceptible to a power that is greater than me because it has more strategy than me. And it also has a region or a realm that honestly has more influence than I do. Let me help you in this way. You cannot uproot a principality. And for some of you who are really, really deep, I know this is going to bother you. But these principalities are in motion. These powers, these demonic or demon influence, the spiritual is nothing to do with you. You are a byproduct of the spiritual world fighting for power. At the end of the day, it's not really a fight because those of us that believe in God know that he wins in the end. But there is a purpose that God allows in his uh, 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 permissive will to allow principalities to move an agenda. And I know for some of you, this is really, really deep, but I really need you to understand that Paul was 10 times ahead of his time as it relates to how the Internet and how other things have made it much more easy for more people at an exponential rate to fall prey to information or lack thereof, because at a click of a button, you can see something quicker than you sent in a letter like Paul used to do right so now the scripture says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood your flesh and your blood has absolutely no merit on this battle but it is your spirit it is your soul it is the spiritual world world that is pushing natural manifestations on this earth for the good and for the bad. So Paul's saying, you're not struggling against your flesh. You're really struggling against a power greater than you. Whew. Let me help you understand this because I had to look up the word struggle in its context. Let me help you or let me help bring some clarity to what I'm really trying to say to you. And I pray that it hits your spirit the same way it's hitting my spirit. This struggle is the Greek word and it means pale, P-A-L-E. It's a wrestle. It is a contest between two in which each person endeavors to throw the other person. So when it's saying our struggle, this wrestle, it's saying for our wrestling is not against flesh and blood. We're not, even, we're not wrestling with, with, with your flesh and with your blood, but against rulers, powers, and the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. So it's telling you where the placement is. The placement is in a spiritual realm. So this wrestling, let me help bring a, another level of context to this, is 
the endeavor to throw one or the other off, a.k.a. good or evil, and which is decided, hear me clearly. Oof, Jesus. When the victor is able to hold his opponent down with his hand upon his neck. I hope somebody just shouted in here. In other words, whoever's got your neck has you. The Bible equates that to Israel being a stiff neck person or stiff neck people because they will not allow God to adjust their ability or their vision, their vision to do the things that he desires. So they're stiff neck by disobedience and metaphor. In this context, it's saying that this struggle, this wrestle is going to have only one victor. Oh, Jesus. And the one victor, you will know that the victor has won because your submission posture will be that your neck is held to the ground with a hand. Now, why am I saying all of this? I'm so glad that you asked. Because the last time that I checked, the Bible tells us to decapitate whew, our enemies. You see that in the story or the principle is exacerbated or you see that when we talk about David and Goliath. But it also talks about that with the snake. I will grab the snake, hallelujah, by the neck or by the head, hallelujah, where even if it bit me, the poison would not bother me. But it's not because of you. It's because last time I checked, there was a savior that came down from the cross and became all things. He became all things by going through all things, but never succumbing to all things, even to the point of death. The Bible says that I choose, hallelujah, when to lay down my life. Nobody takes my life from me. Hear me and hear me clearly. So when Jesus comes on the scene, the byproduct of Jesus coming on the scene is you're able now to be saved from death. Help me in here. In other words, what I'm trying to say to you is last time I checked, the rulers of this world were kicking our tail. They were tearing us up because God had allowed them in his permissive will to establish an agenda that would force man back to God. The perfection of man became imperfect or corrupted at the moment that man fell prey to Satan's tactics and his devices. So what am I trying to say to you? It's very simple. When God came down, he made sure that the enemy knew that moving forward you will never ever win while God knew that the enemy would never ever win I have now established heavenly and an earthly manifestation of what I already established before the foundations of the world let me backtrack so that way you understand in other words the secrets that I said hallelujah that Christ said Jesus said Holy Spirit the father had said at the beginning of time Satan was not yet aware of them. He became aware of them when Jesus manifested on the earth. And then, hallelujah, he then knew or was starting to realize that God in all his sovereignty will do anything. Ha, will do 
anything to save his people. And so when Jesus came up off the cross, became flesh, came down here on the earth, he unveiled something to us that goes simply like this. I will forever be the I am that I am. I will forever conquer sin. I will forever conquer death. As a matter of fact, I come to give them the keys to the kingdom so that way they don't have to experience death. I have come to rip the veil. There are no more dead animals that will satisfy me. The only thing that will satisfy me is the perfect lamb of God. And because he is satisfying to the triune or to the father, there is never any other powers that can come against Christ. So what am I trying to say to you? The strong man, hallelujah, of this realm is Satan and Satan uses you and I to move principality schemes and agendas, wickedness and darkness on the face of the earth. So in flesh and blood form, because Satan is the lowercase L Lord and or Prince of this realm, you will never be able to beat him. All you can do is be subjected by influence to what his agenda is. But here's where the Calvary comes in. By the power of God that died and raised up, the Bible says, with what? All power in his hand. It is then you now who can do defeat and or push back dark agendas through the power of God. But here's the part that you need to understand. The Bible says you stand. I went the long way to get to the point of standing. For whatever the reason, the body of Christ has forgot to stand. The Bible tells us to stand because there is nothing in your own will. There is nothing in your own being that will ever be able to defeat a principality. Let me help somebody in here. It is only by the one God, the true and living God, that you are able to push back agendas of principalities because it's not your agenda, it's God's agenda. Until the place of hell is prepared and all demons will then go into where? The lake of fire. Until then, they have an agenda that is in agreement with the permissive will of God. God is using everything that goes on in order to bring his name glory, in order to bring his name honor. So let me help you with the initial text and this text. As long as we are divided, we are accepting the demonic agenda that the enemy has for the church of God, which is to divide it. You are now becoming an agent of Beelzebub or of the, the, the tactics of the enemy when you do not stand in the power of God. Because standing in the power of God gives you a different perspective than judging in the seat of Satan. Satan literally goes to and fro the earth. I feel glory in here. God says that Satan goes to and fro. He noticed him going to and fro. And then God said, have you considered my servant Job? The reason for that is because Satan is not always aware of God's agenda. 
Jesus. But God is always aware of his own agenda. Hence, the permissive will of God is that if you stand in God, in God's power that was raised, that now has all power in his hand, that will always defeat everything at its appointed time, you will then subject yourself under God's will and not the other side of the coin or the opposition, which is Satan. You only got two choices and you will know them by their fruit. Hello, somebody. If I can go to you because you have all the gossip, that's a problem. If I can go to you as a believer because I know that you sow discord, that's a problem. We are to be peacemakers. And let me up uproot this, this notion that the kingdom of violence suffer violence and the violent take it by force. Out of context, we've done that way too many times. The Bible is not saying that we are violent and then turn around and say we are the peacekeepers. What that scripture is saying is that the, that the kingdom of violence suffer force or the kingdom, the, the, the kingdom of God suffer violence and the violent take it by force. It's not saying the kingdom of violent, uh, the, the kingdom of God suffer violence and our retaliation is that the violent take it by force. It is one thought. If you read it in context, it's one thought. It's saying that violent people have spent their entire life being violent against the kingdom of God. And they've tried to take us by force. They have murdered our people. They have murdered the apostles. They have done everything under the sun to plummet us and to try and keep us down. It's not two separate statements. God tells us to be the peacemakers. Yes, he does say that he came to set fire, but his fire is not to to create chaos and to create strife. It's to burn up the old way in order for the refining fire of the Lord to introduce the new law. Y'all don't y'all don't want none of this today. So what's my point? What's 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 my point? Earthly people, right? The, 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 The powers that are working have nothing to do with you, but you are the, the, the middleman because sin exists. And you, when you attach to sin, you attach to the agenda of the enemy because you, know, you forsake God's will for your life in order to deal with the anxiety, deal with the depression, deal with this. So I'll give you an example. For me, I de-stress by, by, by drinking, okay? Might get a social drink. So for you guys, you know, you say you do wine and this and this and that. But there are moments in my life where sometimes I just need a moment in myself or to myself, by myself. I just need a moment. But you know what I noticed when I have those moments? And it wasn't until uh, three months ago, three or four months ago. You know what I noticed when I'm having those moments? I don't, I don't, I don't stop at just drinking. I become very lazy. I don't do anything. My disposition changes. My attitude changes. Because I'm looking for relief, but I'm looking for it in something that becomes a gateway for the enemy to drag me further into his agenda. I get heartburn. I can't sing. I can't minister. I'm, <laughs> I'm being silly, but I'm being very serious. I can no longer do all the things that I could have done if I just ran into the presence of the Lord. Hello, somebody. Okay, I think you guys have had enough today. So what's 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 the purpose of 
of the podcast for today. It's, it's very simple. God has no problem with you being imperfect. But it has become the enemy's vice against us as believers. And sadly, a lot of us are succumbing to that vice. I am not saying that you don't hold up a standard. But there's a way to hold up the standard. There are moments when Jesus had to check Peter and say, hey, Satan, get behind me. The agenda that you're working under is stopping me or has the potential to stop me from doing the work of the father. And then there were other times where Jesus said, hey, cast your net here. Peter, why are you back out here? It's me. I need you to go talk to my people. I need you to save my people. Don't cut the man's ear off. There is a time for everything. There is a way to go about God's agenda because you don't know God's agenda. The only way you know God's agenda is by being in relationship with him. God is simply asking for us to stand. When you see unrighteousness, you stand. You put on the full armor of God because if you're not careful, you're next. Sitting in the seat of the scornful, Psalm talks about that. Don't be that person who's sitting in the seat of the scornful. Because one day, somebody who doesn't know God is going to sit in that same seat. And normally that's where a lot of the, the, the hurt comes from. Sometimes we sat in a seat too long or we sat in a seat that condemned the same person that turned around and is now condemning you. God is asking us to be diligent in our stance. And our stance is that God, what do you want? And God gave us weapons to combat that. He gave us the full armor of God to stand, not fight the enemy. Hear me. It's to stand against the enemy because God is going to fight for you. That's really what this scripture is saying. Let's, dis let's debunk the myth. There is nothing you or I can do to ever defeat Satan. In our own strength. And I don't care if y'all sound bite this. Make sure it's in context. He is the lowercase Lord and the prince of this world. You need a power greater than you. If you are going to withstand. Because the Bible says that he flees. It doesn't say you destroy him. You don't even have enough ability to destroy him. But you do have the power even in temptation to resist, to stand. It don't tell you to go pull out a, a sword and everything else. The, the, the word of God, the sword of God is for you. That's a whole nother topic. Your responsibility and your assignment on this earth is to stand and let the salvation and the fire and the power of the Lord be what speaks for you. The real power of the believer hear me and hear me clearly, is to stand still and not move until God tells you to. Everything else that's happening right now is a distraction. And I pray that for a lot of us, that you don't get caught up in these distractions. That doesn't mean you don't address things. But you don't address things to hurt people. You don't address things to harm people. Because when you do stuff like that, thinking that you're working for God, you're actually working against him. 
God desires us to do everything in love. That doesn't mean that you condone the sin. But that does mean before you throw a stone, ask God how we can help people. Because that's exactly what we are, is imperfect beings fighting a spiritual battle that has been going on way before you got here. So you need to tap into Holy Spirit on how to deal with some of these demonic influences, the demonic oppression, the generational curses, the lying, the depression, the, the backbiting, the whoremongling, the cheating, the, the, the lust spirit, the perversion that's crept up in your family line, the disease or the sickness that creeps up into your family line. You need to ask God, how do we combat that not how do we combat the individual so I pray that today we would all change our focus because the purpose of today's podcast while you have an opinion and while you have a platform if you're not using it for the agenda of God signed a a kingdom worker please stop You're making a lot of us look bad. You're hurting the kingdom of God. You are are helping push people away from God because they no longer see that people are people. They see that the ones that judged them should now be judged. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I bless you and I thank you. Thank you for this moment, God, that we can start to be light. I pray that we all take an evaluation and a self-evaluation on ourselves to understand that the principalities, the regions, the darkness, the powers, the beings, they've been here before us. They will be here until you cast them into the lake of fire or until if they're angelic beings, God, that, that, that are working for us on your behalf. Until you call us all home to glory. Until you create the space where there is no more opposition of good and evil, but there's just you. I pray that we would really take our walk seriously, our talk seriously. Because at the end of the day, this is really about you. It's all about you. The great falling away is already happening. And a lot of us didn't know what that would look like, but I'm beginning to see how and why. So, God, I ask that you would protect our ear gates, protect our eyes, that we would choose humbler routes so that way you can get the glory. You be magnified. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you guys are enjoying the podcast, um, please, please, please make sure that you like, share, tag. As always, you guys can hit me up on GWG Podcast um, at yahoo.com. Once again, there are a lot of changes coming. The website is almost up up in a... Uh, up and running so most likely by uh by the last episode we got two more episodes guys two more episodes for this season by the last episode um the website should be up and running so i'm excited to partner with you guys i love y'all so much um and i pray that god uh, really 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 has challenged all of us to kind of change our perspective and use our platforms um, so that way he can get the glory Remember, in everything that we do, yes, you're going to have an opinion, you're going to this, you're going to that, but it doesn't matter because in everything that we do, make sure that you go back to the scripture and the text and always make sure that you're going with God. Amen. All right. Peace.